Good evening, everybody. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Tim. I'm married to Melissa. I've uh, got a one-year-old daughter called Poppy. Um, so, and we've both been ill this week, so life is great. Life's <laughs> <laughs> great. And England got knocked out of the World Cup and France lost, so good on them. Um, have we got slides, Jamie? We're right, we're up for slides as well. Yeah, great, good. Uh, this, is, this is a guy called uh, Guy Goma. Uh, there he is. Um, sorry about the pixel resolution. It was the biggest image I could find. Um, in 2006, uh, Guy Goma um, went for an interview at the BBC. Um, and he went to the uh, offices of the BBC for his interview. And whilst waiting in reception, um, someone from the BBC News Channel met him in reception and asked for Guy. What Guy Goma didn't realise was that the person in reception asking for Guy was actually looking for Guy Keeney. This is Guy Keeney. Next slide. That's Guy Goma. Come on. Next one. Is he there? There he is. It's Guy Keeney. Looks slightly different. Guy Keeney uh, was, he's, he's passed away now, sadly, but um, this guy was, uh, he was an industry expert in music. And at the time, there was a um, dispute, a, saw, uh, a law case going on, a, a sue between the Beatles and Apple. And the BBC News wanted to interview Guy Keeney for a Vox Pop live. Apart from they mistook their identity and instead interviewed Guy Goma, who himself thought he was being interviewed for a job. So Guy Goma got mic'd up, was live on BBC News, and was asked, so Guy, what do you think of this lawsuit? To which this was his facial reaction, <laughs> followed by this one. <laughs> A case of mistaken identity. Um, today is, um, the th is it the th fourth Sunday of Advent? Fourth Sunday of Ad Advent. Um, and uh, that is joy. And um, uh, when it comes to joy, we can mistake it for happiness. Um, we think we're interviewing Guy Keeney, but we're actually interviewing Guy Goma. We're looking for joy, but actually we substitute it for happiness. Um, and we think that happiness is the joy that we're looking for. And we, we try and find it in all kinds of places. We try and find it in family. And we think that, you know, if my family just don't argue this Christmas, I'll be happy. Um, if, if that awkward auntie doesn't turn up, then it will be okay. I'll be happy. Christmas will be good. Some of us, it's not family it's romance. It's uh, if, I can get the, if I can get with the girl, I'll be happy. If my marriage would just sort itself out, then I'll be happy. Um, if we can just get to spend some time together, I'll be happy. Um, maybe actually it's not about being with someone, it's about being single. And so you're actually thinking, no, actually I just want to be single this Christmas and I'll be happy. It means I can do what I want when I want, go where I want. For some of us, it's money. It's the sense that we need more money in order to be happy. If I get the pay rise, I'll be able to get the things that I want. I'll be happy. I'll be able to get the trainers that I long for. I'll be able to buy the house or put a deposit on an 
uh, on a mortgage and I'll be happy. Um, I'll be pay, able to pay the bills, put the heating on and I'll be happy. For some of us, it's education. It's about getting the degree. It's about getting the right degree. It's about getting into the right job after a degree. Um, and then we'll be happy. For some of us, it is employment. It's like, I, won't, I don't like this job. I'll get out of this job into another job and then I'll be happy. You see where I'm going. Sometimes it's location. Sometimes it's actually, I'd rather live in that postcode, that street, and then I'll be happy because it's closer to that coffee shop or it's closer to that petrol station. I don't know what I'm going on here. Um, and then I'll be happy. Does that make sense? So this, this idea that we long for joy, but actually we settle for happiness. And happiness is an outcome of our circumstances, but joy is slightly different. Um, and so they're not bad things, all of those things that I've said in of themselves. It's just that in making them the things by which we experience joy, we are interviewing Guy Goma when we thought we were interviewing Guy Kini. So, how do we experience joy? If it's not happiness, how do we experience joy? Well, in order to answer that question, what I'd love us to do is just look at some uh, characters in the story of the nativity. Um, and this is where I'm going to transition to over here, because uh, I'm going to do some drawing. I like drawing, and I thought I would draw for us this evening as a way of trying to make it a bit different and try something new. So we'll see if this works. Um, well, on, can you see that? Oh, look at that. Come on, I can draw. Should I draw a picture of Andrew? No, I won't. I won't. I won't do. I won't do that. I won't do that. <laughs> I won't do that. Um, so the, the, fir- the first group of people that I want to look at is, um, is uh, Israel. And Israel, were, they were waiting for a Messiah for ages. Um, and uh, he hadn't arrived, or they hadn't arrived, Israel. Um, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, um, it reads this. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The people of Israel have been waiting for hundreds of years for a Messiah to show up. Um, There there was about 400 years, people think, between the Old Testament times and New Testament times. This prophecy in Isaiah was probably longer before then. So you're thinking this thing has been prophesied, and they've been waiting a long time long time. So the Israelites, were they feeling let down? Were they feeling uh, tired? Were they, uh, were, they, were they about to give up on these prophecies? Were they about to go their own way, which was so often the story of, of Israel? So that's, that's Israel, right? So that's, that's one character. It's, it's the broad family that's expressed in the nativity. I'm just going to move that just in case that's in the way. Um, so that's Israel. So, so moving on very quickly, the, the second person I want us to look at uh, very briefly um, is Mary. Um, in Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 26, um, if you've got a Bible, feel free to, to flip there. Um, Luke's in the New Testament. Uh, it's about that far through. Um, Luke chapter 1. So this is the moment where 
an angel appears to Mary and says this to her in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, but Mary, you found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Um, Mary, scholars think she was somewhere between the age of 12 and 15 when the angel Gabriel appeared to her and said that you're going to conceive a baby. We know that because the scripture says that Mary was betrothed to Joseph, which was a legal thing. It was a sense of, Mary, you're going to, it's an arranged marriage effectively. So she was, she was a young girl. And she was about to become pregnant, which is an, perhaps enough in today's society, perhaps enough of a scandal, right? Um, but she was going to be pregnant out of wedlock, and it wasn't going to be Joseph's son because they hadn't had sex yet because she was a virgin. So that's more scandal. Um, and actually, there was risk in, involved in that for Mary because that might lead to gossip happening, amongst her community about, well, did you hear about Mary? She got pregnant, and it's not Joseph's. Um, they took marriage really seriously in Israel, and that meant that adultery could literally get her stoned to death. She would be killed because she might have been thought that she's been an, adul an adulteress. Um, she'd have been getting dirty looks, maybe. And also, there was a, there'd have been a lifetime um, of struggle and loneliness um, as well as the possibility of death. And so for Mary to conceive this child was risky business. So that's Mary. So we've got Israel. We have Mary. Uh, what about the wise men? Also known as uh, the, the Magi. Uh, so we're just going to write Magi in here. This doesn't look like a piece of art. And that's okay. <laughs> it's all right. In, uh, in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 2, so we're going to go back a bit in a different gospel. Uh, we come across what's known as the Magi. Now the Magi, for those of us who are more familiar with our Western modern interpretation of what's called the Nativity, these are the wise men. Um, and Matthew 2, verse 1 to 2 reads this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star that it rose, when it rose and have come to worship him. I mean, just notice this. They're known in our modern version of the nativity as the wise men, and they followed a star to come worship Jesus 
And the first thing they ask is effectively, where is he? Not very wise, is it, uh, from the wise men there. But there we go. But these are the, these are the magi, okay? Now, it, to the Jewish community of which Mary and, and Joseph were devout members, right? Magi, they were to be avoided. These were people from the east. Um, people think that they either came from uh, Iraq, like modern Iraq, so like uh, 300 miles away from Jerusalem. Some people think that they came from uh, Persia, I think this is right, which is about 500 miles away from Jerusalem. Um, there's, I was reading recently that there's some uh, historical evidence that uh, is in the Vatican that actually points to the fact that they might even come as far as China, so 5,000 miles away. So they've come a long way to find Jesus. Um, so these were people that were kind of, uh, you, from a Jewish perspective, you, you avoid them. They were considered magicians, maybe charlatans. Uh, they'd come from the east a long way, and, and they'd arrived, and they can't, they'd followed this star for maybe a year, maybe a few months, and, they've arri- and they're tired, they're confused. Where's Jesus? We've come to worship this Messiah. We can't find him. We've got these questions still. So that's the Magi. So we've looked at Israel, we've considered Mary, then there's the Magi, and then finally um, the shepherds. So back into Luke, chapter 2, verse 8 to 12, it says this, And there were some shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Shepherds were the lowest of the low. They were pushed outside of society. They were disallowed from a respectable trade. They were considered ritually impure. Um, They were prevented from celebrating in religious fasts and feasts. Uh, These were the undesirables of the society at the time. These these were who the shepherds were. Um, they were, yeah, you can go close to a shepherd. Um, so, why am I drawing this? Well, this is what went through my mind as I was going through this. In terms of how to answer this question of um, how, do we experience, how do we experience joy, okay? So, you've got Israel, all right, and, and Israel, um, you know, They've been, waiting, they've been waiting a long time. Uh, they've, they've, been, they've given up. They've, uh, they've maybe been let down a little bit. Uh, then you've got Mary. She's experienced, maybe she's experiencing gossip. Um, she's been accused perhaps of adultery. That might happen. She'll get dirty looks. She'll uh, struggle. There's loneliness that she might face. There's definitely death. Possibly, if she goes through with this and people think that she's an adulteress, that's not good. Um, the Magi, 
you know, they've, they've been avoided. They've come a long way. They're really tired. Um, they're confused. And then you've got the, the shepherds. They're the lowest of the low. No one really cares about them. They're, they're ostracized. They're not really allowed into fullness of community. They're prevented. They're impure. They're undesirable. But ultimately, they're poor. It's a mess, doesn't it? Luke 2, verse 10, says this. Just put a slide up. Um, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Great joy for all the people. And yet, all of these people in the nativity story in our worldly understanding of what joy is, this idea of happiness, well, their circumstances aren't joyful. But here the angel says that um, it's good news that will bring great joy for all people. So joy then finds itself um, right in the middle of all this mess, there's, there's joy. Just in the middle of all the chaos, all of the uncertainty, all of the tiredness, confusedness, the being prevented and poor and being undesired and being gossiped about and all of these negative, sad situations, joy is there in the center. And it, and it, came, it came from Mary. Um, comes through Mary in the form of a baby boy called Jesus. And the Magi came from the East to come and see it. And you've got the shepherds that are introduced to it as well. And they come and worship. And then you've got Israel who have waited a long time for this Messiah. And what they're faced with is is ultimately this gift of joy, which is ultimately Jesus uh, at the center of this chaos, born into a manger, into this dirty, grubby world. Uh, and there is where joy is experienced. Not in, like because of good circumstances, but in spite of them. Um, and this joy, Jesus, as the whole theme of our Christmas is called, is, you know, King of Kings. So let's draw a crown on there. That looks like a gift a little bit more, doesn't it? And that's what went through my head this week as I was trying to think, gosh, how do we experience joy? And um, the point, hopefully, as my silly little drawing might explain, um, is that whilst happiness is experienced away from our mess, we try and get away from the negativeness that's in our world or in our lives. Joy is experienced in the middle of our mess. That's what I was trying to get at, what I was trying to kind of consider. And so... In the family that's messy and clunky and awkward, where 
people don't get on and it's a bit, it's a bit kind of clashy. It's, joy isn't experienced away from that, but in the middle of it. Um, that in our battle and confusion around what it means to be in love with somebody else and the, the mess and the frustration with that and the, the loss that can be experienced through rejection, joy is found somewhere there in the middle of that, not away from that. In the experience of lack and not being able to afford, in a, in a cost of living crisis, joy is experienced somewhere in the middle of that. Um, in, in our education, in, in trying to wrestle the essay to completion, in trying to get the course completed, in trying to find achievement and validation and the confusion in that and the mess that can be in that, somehow joy is there to be experienced. In the lack of employment, in trying to get a job, in interview after interview after interview after interview, and again, that sense of rejection and not quite sure if I measure up, somewhere joy can be experienced in the middle of that, not in the absence of it. Um, Because happiness is experienced away from our mess, but joy is experienced in the middle of our mess. So as I come into land, what I've kind of hopefully done is shown us the location of where joy is, and it's in the middle of our mess. It's not in the absence of it, it's in the middle of it. That's where we experience joy. And so how then, how do we experience joy? Um, In his commentary, on Luke, Joel Green says, says this on a, on a reflection of the nativity. He says, the partnership of human and divine, of Mary giving birth to Jesus ultimately, it, it is essential if Jesus is to accomplish his mission. The partnership of human and divine is essential if Jesus is to accomplish his mission. So there's a sense that in order to experience joy, it's found in the middle of our mess. And it involves not just Jesus, but you and I. In order to experience joy, it involves Jesus, it involves others, and it involves yourself. And I don't know any other way of doing that regularly than praying with other people. Um, again, I'm a visual thinker, and so this is what I kind of came up with. Um, I love Venn diagrams, they're helpful. Um, this is a slide now, I think. Um, so this is how we experience joy. You've got, you've got Jesus, the presence of Jesus, who's in all things and through all things. He shows up in the middle of our mess, not in some distant, faraway place where it's all happy and lovely and great. He shows up in the middle of your frustration, in the middle of your pain. And he waits for you. And then there's others. No, yourself, sorry, yeah. And so there's this sense of you have to bring yourself to Jesus. We have to bring ourselves, our full self. Not a facade, not a fake version of ourself. All of us to Jesus. But then I think the challenge to really be caught up in the joy of this is 
to bring yourself and the other, someone else. And in praying with other people, what happens is you're vulnerable with somebody else. You, you say, this is what I need prayer for. And you invite somebody else to pray with you. And you do that in the context of Jesus. And you end up with a, an experience of joy. Um, there you go. Um, and so when you have Jesus, other, and yourself, I think that's what happens. That's a really clunky way of saying that joy is found in the middle of your mess and is experienced in praying with one another. That's it. 